On January 28, 2020, protesters from Divest Uvic gathered at the Board of Governors meeting, which introduced a new responsibility investment policy. The policy proposes to reduce the carbon intensity of the university's short-term investments by 45% by 2030. Now, a year later, UVic has announced a $500,000 investment in the Raven Indigenous Capital Partners Impact Fund. But Divest remains concerned that it's just not enough. Hey, I'm Laura Smith, and thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the Martlet Pod in 2021. I'm really excited to start back up and see what this year will bring with it. The Martlet Pod is produced in the studios of CFUV, here on the traditional territory of the Lekwungen and Wasanich people in Victoria, BC. On this episode, we'll be chatting about... UVic Bikes looks towards continuing to build their new esports program as a way to connect with students online. What's been acknowledged before is that sort of camaraderie that comes with gaming, which is what I'm learning on a regular basis. I, I didn't know that existed before the students actually taught me. And I would say in my professional career, it's the first time where I look to the students and say, teach me, teach me what you know about all of this. International students in BC face overdue MSP fees of over $900 after the province raises fees with minimal forewarning given to affected students. And doubling the amount that I had to pay, not being able to inform me at all, and feeling that I'm so out of the loop on this, it genuinely feels predatory. And a local development company steps in with an idea to create a new type of housing option for Victoria. I think what's an area that is not often considered is that even though people are living in parks, that's still their community. And so we don't want to displace people too far from these kind of social and emotional networks that, that they've formed. But first, I talk with Editor-in-Chief Kate Cordy to sort through the confusing world of university investments and what Divest Uvic would like to see done. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be back on the Martlet podcast with Laura. I'm Kate. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Martlet. And today, I think we're going to be talking about divestment a bit and UVic's investments in the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you just wrote this article and came out a couple of days ago before this podcast. And we're talking about, like you said, um, some divest UVic, university investment, all that fun stuff. Um, just to start off with, I kind of wanted to ask you just what this responsible investment policy is, um, um, just some of the history behind it and why it matters right now, because it came out a year ago. So why are we talking about it right now? Yeah, for sure. So last year at the same time, uh, the UVic Board of Governors passed the Responsible Investment Policy which was this investment policy designed to tailor their investments to the reality that is the climate crisis that we all exist in and to try to make their investment portfolio more sustainable. Obviously, to give some context to this policy, we have to explain, okay, who are the Board of Governors? What is uh, their investments or what are their investments? And what is this policy? So 
to start, like, the UVic Board of Governors is, like, the body made by some people that are appointed and also the president and a couple students as well. And they make decisions regarding this pool of investments called the Working Capital Investments. So that is $225 million that the university invests in various funds in order to, like, grow their money, (laughs) as people do when they invest. The responsible investment policy, like I said, was something that was designed to bring their investments in line with their values of environmental sustainability. So this investment policy had two goals. First off, they wanted to reduce carbon intensity of the pool by 45% by 2030, and they wanted to invest at least 25% of that pool, so that 20 $225 million in what's called thematic investments, which means like socially conscious, environmentally conscious investments, like an investment they recently made in Raven, in the Raven Fund, which is like funding Indigenous entrepreneurs. So with those two goals, they're pretty jargony and pretty abstract. Yeah. But what they mean by carbon intensity there, which is the main thing that they're trying to reduce by 2030, is the fossil fuel, like the carbon emissions of all their investments, not just fossil fuel investments. Mm -hmm. So that is something that's been contentious between Divest UVic and the Board of Governors in Mm -hmm. terms of what uh, carbon intensity means, how it's measured, and whether that actually leads to responsible investing or not. Uh, As you can probably imagine, Divest says that it's not good enough and they need to Mm -hmm. fully divest from all fossil fuels instead of just reducing the uh, carbon intensity of the things that they invest in. And the Board of Governors says that, you know, these are our values of environmental sustainability and this is how we're going about it by reducing emissions across everything that we Mm -hmm. invest in and not just those holdings that are in the fossil fuel industry. So that's kind of the responsible investment policy, who controls it, uh, how much money it is in control of. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we can get into more about like the carbon intensity stuff, but that's the main thing that has been that has been contentious and that's important about the policy because how the success of that policy will be measured. It's whether it reduces this carbon intensity of the pool by 45% by 2030. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just briefly, this responsible investment policy, that's only with the working capital and it doesn't cover the UVic foundation. Those are like two separate in that sense as well. Exactly. So basically we've got, I would say in terms of the, (laughs) the wild world of UVic investments, there's three main players here. We've got the UVic Board of Governors, the UVic Foundation, and Divest UVic. Mm -hmm. What's crucial to remember (laughs) is that the UVic Foundation, even though they have UVic in their name, they're not tied to UVic. They're a separate body that invests this pool of a lot of money. It's like over $400 Mm -hmm. million. Then the Board of Governors is another thing entirely, and they control their investments through the responsible investment policy, like you said, Mm -hmm. which is that $225 million. Divest UVic is kind of lobbying both those guys. They are a UVSS campaign. Right. And yeah, maybe we can talk about Divest UVic a little bit. Um, Do you want to give just maybe just briefly a little bit of background? Because I personally know, I know lots of students on the campus that are like, Oh, yeah, we keep hearing about this divest UVic thing, yes. but not really sure where to start there. Can I quickly pull up an article? Yeah, absolutely. Because 
my former colleague, Anna Dodd, and another former colleague, Michael Graham, did an article a while back that I kind of based this one off of Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. It was called It's Time to Break Up with Fossil Fuels, and it was written in 2019, and it was actually nominated for a student journalism award last year. So it's an excellent article, but it basically uh, charted how Divest came to be. Divest has been around since 2013, and then after a year of not doing anything, uh, they resurged in 2019 and have been lobbying the Board of Governors and the UVic Foundation to break up with fossil fuels and stop their investments in in those companies ever since. Uh, Previously, Juliet Watts was the director of campaigns and really put a lot of the UVSS's Mm -hmm. resources into this. And then Emily Lowen took it from there in the previous UVSS election, and she has been doing the same. Awesome. And I think next question is just like, so what's Divest talking about this time? Um, Like, Are there really specific things that they are talking about in terms of the responsible investment policy? Yeah, I think a lot of students know about Divest. They're Mm -hmm. a very vocal group Mm -hmm. that is hard to ignore, but a lot of students don't know how the investments actually work and what divesting from fossil fuels for UVic would mean, which is what divest is ultimately all about. And that's something that I tried to remedy through this article. But essentially what divest is advocating for right now is a negative screening approach. And a negative screening approach is exactly what it sounds like. It means you're screening investments for ties to the fossil fuel industry. Right. Yeah. And... They're also, like Emily Lowen told me that they are open to a negative screening approach that is nuanced and allows room for certain companies that are really investing in renewables and um, making that shift. However, she also said that she was doubtful that those companies exist or that they're like a minority of companies, basically. But yeah, that's been their main focus right now is just lobbying the UVic Foundation as well as the Board of Governors to either divest completely from fossil fuels Mm -hmm. through that negative screening approach or developed a more nuanced approach to negative screening that is more in line with a divestment approach. Right now, UVic has, like notably, right now UVic has not committed to divestment at all. This responsible investment policy is not a divestment from fossil fuels as much as it is about reducing the carbon intensity of their mm-hmm. investments. And the UVic Foundation, um, similarly, they have stated that they value um, environmental sustainability, that they aim to invest in companies that have operational practices that reduce emissions and invest in, in I'm quoting them here, impactful opportunities that reduce greenhouse gas emissions and capitalize on transitions to a greener economy. Um, However, they haven't made any concrete commitments to divestment either. So that's really where divest fits into this framework. Right. And I think like what you're just talking about there kind of links to, I believe you mentioned it even in that article that divest talks about the concept of greenwashing. Um, I was just wondering if you could just like really briefly explain what that concept is. Yeah, so Divest will talk about greenwashing, which what they mean by that is that the values of environmental sustainability that the UVic Foundation or the Board of Governors Mm -hmm. states don't line up in their view with the investments that they hold. This 
I mean, when I was looking into this for this article, um, I did find a principle for responsible investment report, which was in 2020 about the UVic Foundation, which is $407 million in assets. Like it's massive investment foundation, again, separate from UVic. And they said that even though the UVic Foundation has these value statements, they have not targeted low carbon or climate resilient investments, and they don't use emissions data to tailor their investments. Mm. When I talked to the UVic treasurer, Andrew Coward, he said that they did an asset allocation study, which basically means they look at their investments and say, okay, how can we do better and and make Mm -hmm. more money and and reduce our risks as investment managers do. And um, from 2017 to 2020, he said that they reduced their holdings in the energy sector from 8% of their entire pool to 2%. Mm. He said that's mostly because of financial, the financial world (laughs) and how things are happening right now and in order to mitigate risk so that they can continue funding different scholarships and research centers at the university. But this is basically the type of thing that divest will point to when they say things like greenwashing right that's maybe a long answer to your question but i hope that makes sense no definitely that makes sense and i also wanted to talk about going back to the idea of carbon intensity i know you brought it up a few times and it links to because you had talked about in your article that they're only looking at like two of the three scopes yeah you could just kind of explain that yeah totally carbon intensity is a whole nother thing (laughs) that is complicated for people to understand that aren't involved in the investment world Mm -hmm. and this is something that I've asked divest and the UVic treasurer about countless times to try to get a better grasp of what it means basically carbon intensity is this concept in the responsible investment policy whereby they're measuring that goal so reducing carbon intensity of the 225 million dollars in the working capital investments by 45 percent by 2030 so of course this entire goal rests on the definition of carbon intensity it's measured by looking at scope one and two investments which means it's looking at investments at the like production stage mainly right and it's not looking at scope three investments because they have no way to measure that at the moment scope three investments are investments down the line Going back to the scope one and two emissions part, because that's the most important, mm-hmm. uh, the treasurer, Andrew Coward, gave me the example of the university itself and said that the emissions that the university puts out into the world, for example, through heating its buildings, things like this, mm-hmm. that would be scope one. Scope two emissions would be more of those emissions that, um, based on the what the ener- what energy the university uses. So he said, for example, UVic is well situated within BC because there's a lot of renewable energy sources here and BC doesn't really use coal, so it's pretty clean energy overall. Mm-hmm. So that was his example is like within these scope one and two investments at the kind of production stage, if you will, it's kind <laughs> of weird to say that about the university, but you can use like a car manufacturing company, for example. The emissions that those cars create when they are on the road and driving won't be counted within this carbon emissions thing. So that's what Lowen, Emily Lowen, who is part of Divest UVic, she will say, you know, this is why 
the responsible investment policy is inadequate because when it comes to fossil fuel companies, they don't have the technology yet to measure the emissions that are really down the road like that. Right. And so I think that's what it comes down to understanding is that it's these scope one and two emissions that they are measuring, which UVIC says gives them a better grasp of what the carbon emissions are for all the companies that they invest in. And Divest UVIC is saying, yes, that's good that it does that, but because of the difference in fossil fuel companies in terms of their scope three emissions, Mm -hmm. we need to look at divestment. Right. And that's where also that concept of the negative screening also plays into that. Exactly. Yeah. What divest is saying is instead of measuring scope one and two emissions and just trying to reduce, Mm -hmm. because for example, let's say you have an investment pool. This is strictly an example. I'm not saying these are UVIX investments, but let's say you invest in like three things, a car company, a university, and a solar company. Mm -hmm. The solar company, even though they do great down the road because they allow people to like use electricity in their homes or at their businesses through the sun, uh, it's very costly in terms of at an emissions level to right, like right. make those panels, et cetera, et cetera. And I already talked about the university and car example, so you know how those work mm-hmm. in terms of emissions and these scope one and two. But what Uvic is saying is like, okay, if we have a lot of emissions coming from say like this university that they're invested in is really bad for emissions. I don't know, but like if they are, say they're a university that is energized by coal, um, (laughs) that they use strictly coal to get their energy from, then UVic would say, okay, maybe we'll invest in a different university that uses solar energy. Mm -hmm. And then that would reduce the carbon emissions. But what Divest will say is, okay, that's not good enough because it doesn't imply that it just implies that your whole po- whole portfolio is supporting companies that are less emissions but it doesn't apply that everything in that portfolio is a good investment from an environmental mm-hmm. standpoint that's their position right that yeah. totally makes sense and kind of like coming to the end i have one question and i'm not sure like how much you can speak to this i don't think you wrote about it in the article but has divest said anything about um maybe the direction because we have a new president here at the university whether they think that president hall might take uh uvic close if not to divestment but like more in that uh, direction have you heard anything of that yeah so i know that emily lowen has met with president hall Mm -hmm. i know that they did a art-based protest outside the um building where president hall works and he came out and said hey (laughs) In terms of actual promises towards divestment, um, nothing has been (laughs) done at this point. Of course, it's very early in President Hall's term. Mm -hmm. That being said, even though there's been a focus on the president because they're a very public figure in terms of their representation of the university, whether that be former President Jamie Castles or our current president, President Hall, uh, it's actually the UVic Board of Governors that has the full control over where their investments go and the UVic Board of Governors is informed by the administration. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I am not sure what will happen in the future, but I know that Divest has made it clear they're pretty committed to continuing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Great. And is there anything that you think we've missed today or you want to talk about 
Um, I think I'd just really like to clarify again, like, the separation between the Board of Governors ones and the Ubik Foundation, because I don't know that that was, I made that super clear. But, um, yeah, because it's super complicated. Anyways. (laughs) So, the Ubik Board of Governors controls $225 million in their working capital investments. And that's where the responsible investment policy comes in. Mm -hmm. That's... Uh, that informs the investments in the working capital investment pool. The UVic Foundation is a completely different thing, and it's separate from UVic. So Mm -hmm. it's not managed by the Board of Governors, and that is a lot more money. That's $470 million in assets, which are donations from 1,300 endowment funds, and that's managed by investment managers. It's controlled by the foundation itself. Right. And then they have two investment pools. One is the main investment pool and one is the fossil fuel free pool. So Mm -hmm. they do have that fossil fuel free pool. Even though I said they haven't divested, I was referring to the main investment pool Mm -hmm. and their investments in their entirety. Uh, As of now, the fossil fuel, well, as of fall, actually, the fossil fuel free pool and the main investment pool have the same level of risk. And then, as I said before, um, in from 2017 to 2020, their investment holdings in the energy sector went from 8% to 2% just in response to the financial risk. And they do have these value statements around uh, encouraging companies to disclose their, like, quoting, operational practices that reduce carbon emissions and to invest in quote, impactful opportunities that reduce greenhouse gas emissions mm-hmm. and capitalize on transition. This gives you a sense of like what the UVic Foundation is, what the Board of Governor, uh, what the Board of Governors control and the differences there, because I think people often think that UVic investments are all, mm-hmm. I think the average student probably thinks UVic investments are all one pool and President Hall <laughs> controls them. <Yeah. laughs> because that's, if you were uh, not to look into it further. I think mm-hmm. that's what you would think. But um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. And I know this isn't accessible stuff, but I think it's important for students mm-hmm. and professors that are investing themselves in UVic through both their time and money to know what the university is doing with their money. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today and yeah, kind of breaking down some of this very complex kind of high level investment stuff because Like you said, I think it's an important topic to talk about. Yeah, and I'm not an investment expert. (laughs) I would not advise anyone on investments whatsoever. I'm also not a part of Divest or the university, Mm -hmm. but I think it is important for, yeah, like I said, students to know what's going on. So thank you for having me on, and hopefully we were able to clear some things up for for people. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. (laughs) I'll be wrapping up with a little bit more local news in just a moment. In January 2020, British Columbia's Medical Service Plan, or MSP, premiums were eliminated. But international students now face paying back fees they weren't informed they owed. The MSP invoices that I was receiving leading up to 2020, they were all saying that on January 2020, you won't have to pay anything. This is international computer science student, Andres Bian. 
so obviously that that's the only thing I read. That's the only thing that I was receiving. And communications could have been better saying that if I'm an international student, then I should keep my eye out, out on this. At the same time as premiums ended for permanent residents of the province, fees for international students raised from $37.50 to $75. However, no students interviewed by the Martlet got a call, email, or even letter informing them about this raise. Throughout December, the Revenue Services of BC has been contacting international students, like third-year poli-sci student Alyssa Jackson, for their overdue fees. I haven't gotten a single notice this MSP fee ever. Just last month, I got a notice in the mail that said I owed $975 to the government. And I was like, so upset. And I thought it was like a scam. I would have paid them if had I known. And um, then I called and then they're like, no, you owe $975. While COVID-19 may have slowed down many aspects of life, it has given Vikes Rec the opportunity to push their eSports initiative a little faster than usual. Vikes intramural programmer Joni Richardson saw a need to connect with UVic students online, and eSports presented what she thought was an exciting new way to do that. In terms of the University of Victoria, we found an instant need to sort of connect with all of our participants online. And esports just became the easiest way for us to do that, to be quite honest. Right. Um, we have a Canadian NURSA chapter. And so all of the intramural programmers got together and came up with a plan in terms of how do we collectively create a program where we can work together. Building this program has been a process, a trial and error, like with deciding what games to actually play. But Richardson presses that, above all, student leadership and participation is an essential component to the success of this new community. We're in a place now with a a global pandemic where we have to be able to respond and stay connected. Mm -hmm. And I think it allows us to connect with students in a different way and in a more beneficial way, because I don't think what's been acknowledged before is that sort of camaraderie that comes with gaming, which is what I'm learning on a regular basis. I I didn't know that existed before the students actually taught me. And I would say in my professional career, it's the first time where I look to the students and say, teach me, teach me what you know about all of this. And let's try and take my professional skills and your ability to game and make a program out of it. So we don't have a set schedule of a plan that's coming up because there's so many great ideas that are coming up at the same time that now we're trying to go, okay, so what do we want to do starting January? How do we play this out for the next year? Pandemic or no pandemic? I think if the pandemic magically disappears in January, this program is still going to have strength. The City of Victoria is sticking with their goal to end sheltering in parks by March and local development company Arise Developments is stepping in to help. While known for building luxury homes in Victoria, Arise has an idea to transform 30 modified shipping containers into temporary housing. So far, they've raised half of their $50,000 target through crowdsourcing. Luke Mari, development lead at Arise, says that while the company has been involved in affordable housing in the past, their partnership with the Greater Victoria Coalition to End Homelessness has helped to better understand and meet the needs of the unhoused community, something Arise did not have experience in. So we approached the coalition and said, hey, like, you know, obviously people living in parks is 
you know, the winter is, you know, that's like, you know, not meeting a, a basic human right to safe housing. So you guys want to work together on, on a kind of a, a raft solution, and they were obviously very keen. So we, we, we over the last couple of months, we've just been uh, designing and, and coming up with uh, this, this, this program of using shipping containers for, for raft housing for people in the parks. The idea comes from projects like We Can Shelter in Courtney. And while there's not a settled on location, there is a focus on not displacing people from their communities. That's it for me today. Thank you for listening. If you want to check out more stories or dive into the ones I've mentioned here, make sure to grab a copy of The Martlet or head over to www.martlet.ca. The Martlet Pod is produced in the studios of 101.9 FM CFUV. Check them out at cfuv.ca. Till next time, I'm Laura Smith.